need somebody who believes that to give God all the praise for it right now. Come on and give Him praise today. Come on and lift up the name of Jesus. Come on and lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. He's worthy to be praised. Come on, if you know that He's worthy, give Him praise this morning. name of Jesus this morning. If you believe it, if you know it, come on, give him praise today. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you the praise this morning that only you are worthy of. We worship you and honor you and give you all glory and honor. Hallelujah. 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 My soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Oh, glory to God. We are so thankful that you are here this morning. Can we give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise? For he is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. We are so grateful to all who have gathered here today. God bless you in the name of the Lord. We are thankful for what the Lord is doing. We're continuing to make our journey through. We're at the end of the month of June. How many have enjoyed being in the house of God throughout the month of June? Glory to God. Amen. What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God. It has been a wonderful thing, and we want that to continue. I do want to... Uh, just encourage you as you uh, as we continue to hold our services uh, and there's really there's really no replacement for being together in the house of God we thank the Lord for technology that allows us to live stream and, and, and put the gospel out and we certainly welcome all those that are a part of the live stream today but there truly is no replacement for being able to gather together in the presence of the Lord and worship Him in the beauty of holiness together. And so as we continue to do that, we want you to just be mindful of the need for physical distancing. Uh, and uh, we're coming in, we believe and we hope in the final stretch, we have seen an uptick in our nation of the virus in the south and the southwest, of course. It has, uh, there's been an uptick, there's even been an uptick in Hamilton County. And uh, we are not, uh, we are not, uh, ignorant or naive to those things uh, so we want to make sure that we do our part in 
maintaining physical distancing. And uh, we don't want anybody uh, here to get sick. So just continue to be mindful. Don't let your guard down. Uh, I know that it's, you know, it used to be when we'd say keeping someone at arm's length, that was not a good thing. Now it's a little different. Uh, keeping at arm's length is, uh, is a, seen a little bit more as being mindful. And so we want you to continue to be mindful. If you see uh, leaders with masks, if you see me with a mask on, if you see others with masks on, uh, it's not out of fear. It's just out of a consideration of those who, whose immune systems may be compromised and might be in a, a vulnerable position. We want to make sure we do our part uh, to, to help those that are, are in need during this time. And so we are all in this together. And uh, when we worship God, there's something beautiful about the people of God magnifying the name of the Lord together. Amen. And we want to continue to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, to continue as we see in our world today. There's a, there's a spirit of fear that is abounding in our world today. And the church is not governed by a spirit of fear. We are governed by the spirit of the Lord. And I feel the spirit of the Lord in this place this morning. I feel the power and the presence of God. Amen. Come on, let's just worship Him again with hand clapping. Amen. With an uplifted hand, with an uplifted praise. We worship You, Lord. We magnify Your name, O God. You are worthy of all the praise. You're worthy of all the honor. We love You and we give You all praise and glory. In Jesus' name. And we thank God for that. And we thank God for each and every one of you here. I would like to turn your attention to the book of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to read from the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse number 3. And uh, we're going to read through to verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. The word of the Lord says this. For though we walk in the flesh, and we do walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. If we need knowledge of anything, we need knowledge of God. Because there are many high things that are seeking to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And I want to take some time this morning to just preach to you on this subject, things I know. Things I know. Amen. Could we just lift our voices one more time, ask the Lord to bless this message, to bless the remainder of this service in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for this gathering of your people. And I thank you, Lord, for the blessing that is in this place, the blessedness of your presence. I ask, Lord, that you will move through the preaching of your word today. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name to hear your word, to respond to your word, to receive it into our hearts. To be blessed by it and edified by it. In the precious and the matchless name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said in Jesus name. And everybody said amen. 
and amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to say how good it is to see Sister Wheeler here today. God bless you, Mother Wheeler. We love you. And Sister Tracy Wheeler, of course, uh, we lost Brother Samuel Wheeler this just a couple of months ago, a month ago. And our prayers are with this family, a precious saint of God who went to be with the Lord. And our prayers have been with this family uh, during that time. And we're just honored to see you here today, Sister Wheeler. God bless you. Amen. You know, the irony of, of calling this year by its number, 2020, is that when you say 2020, without it being in the context of a year or, or just a mere number, you're usually referring to clarity of vision. If I were to say 2020 outside the context of a year, you would pretty much know that I was referring to perfect vision, 2020 vision. The irony of that this year is called 2020, and, and, and at the beginning of the year, everybody was talking about 2020 vision. That was like the catchphrase. That was the theme. And if there was a year that was uh, more unclear as to how it was going to roll out and how it was going to unfold, I don't know about it. This year has been anything but clear. This year has been anything but predictable. We have had no, we have had no idea of what was coming down the pike as it relates to the year 2020. We've been caught off guard after one turn after another. We thought we knew, but we didn't know. And yet, the Bible predicts, the Bible prophesies, the Bible tells us that the things we've seen were coming. Literally, the Bible said, there will be pestilences. Literally, the Bible explained there will be earthquakes. Do you know when the coronavirus first broke out, there were tons of earthquakes like that same week. And it was, it was all over the nation and all over the world. And they, they weren't just little tremors. They were big earthquakes. And I, I, I thought, man, this is uh, quite ironic. You got pestilences. You have earthquakes. Nation rising against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Wars. Rumors of wars. Sounds like Jesus is coming back. And if you didn't know Jesus is coming back, now you know he's coming back. And it's time to be ready to meet the Lord. But the Bible not only tells us about these things that are coming, but it also tells us about the unpredictability of a given day. The Bible says specifically, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. You have no idea what can happen in a given day. Now, I remember when I used to quote that scripture, and I thought I knew what it meant. Remember when you used to think you knew what that meant? That you don't know what a day may bring forth? You thought that meant that anything could happen. Well, now our understanding of that scripture has, has crystallized more clearly, and we know it means anything can happen. Not just anything can happen. Anything 
can absolutely happen in a given day. We have seen things turn at a moment's notice. As a matter of fact, the Apostle James goes further to explain, not only are you not to boast yourself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. He said when it comes to tomorrow, don't even, don't even talk as if things are certain to happen. He said don't even say tomorrow I'm going to go here, tomorrow I'm going to go there, tomorrow I'm going to do this, or tomorrow I'm going to do that. He said in preface everything you say, with if the Lord will, I will go here, I will go there, I will do this, and I will do that. You can even add, and if the creek don't rise. If the Lord will, and the creek don't rise. Then I will go here, I will go there, I will do this, and I will do that. Sometimes you've heard some of the elders say that. And it sounds sometimes a little ominous. I'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. I'll see you next time, Lord willing. They're following the scriptural instruction to understand that if the Lord doesn't will for it to happen, it's not happening. And so, so we have to know that there is no guarantee of tomorrow. The Bible describes that the future is uncertain. There are things that you and I are not assured of. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen this week. The unpredictability of our world, the unpredictability of this virus, the unpredictability of circumstances around us in our own sphere of life and influence, we have no idea what will happen. But I love what the old song says. When it says, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know who, what, what, what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. There are things that are uncertain. And what is uncertain is the future. We don't know the details. We don't know how things are going to fall into place. But the Bible teaches us, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, the Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord. But the revealed things, belong to us and to our children forever. I want to say that again. The secret things belong unto the Lord, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever. It is important that we don't get caught up in the secret things, thinking that we can somehow control the things we don't know or understand. We can't get caught up in things we don't know or understand. We have to keep our mind focused on what we do know. If you spend your time worrying about what you don't know, if you spend your time trying to sort out the things that are uncertain, you will spiral into an abyss of uncertainty, discouragement, disheartenment. But if you will concentrate on the things you do know, you're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. You're going to be able to be confident as you live your life for the Lord. It is important that the church keep a posture of confidence. 
do you know who your God is? The passage of Scripture that I read to you this morning says, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. He said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And when we utilize those spiritual weapons, we cast down imaginations. Do you know that it's merely an imagination when you sit around thinking about what if and what could happen and what if that took place and what if this scenario developed? That's not a reality. Those are imaginations. And the Bible said that in spiritual warfare, we cast those down. And we cast down every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It is the knowledge of God that sustains us. It is the knowledge of God that keeps us, that holds us fast in turbulent times. I wish I could preach a little while this morning on knowing God. The first thing you need to know about God is this. He is one. That's the first thing you need to know. Number one, He is. That's the first thing you need to know. He is. Then you need to know He is one. There is none beside Him. There is none above Him. There is nobody who is His equal or His superior. He is and He is one. Then you have to know that He is love. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just going to preach about God for a little while. I don't know what you came expecting to hear, but you're not going to hear anything but God this morning. He is. He is one. He is love. He is all power. He is all wisdom. Hallelujah. When we say he's omnipotent, we mean he has all power. When we say that he is omnipresent, means he is in all places at the same time. When we say he is omniscient, we mean he is all-knowing. And when we say he is omnibenevolent, we mean he is all-loving. Hallelujah. God is love, and God is peace, and God is wisdom, and God is power. God simply is, and he is one. The mythical purveyors, the purveyors of myths through the years have described various kinds of gods. They would develop pantheons of gods. And they would say that there's a god of the sun and a god of the sea and a god of the moon and a, a god of the trees and a god of, the, of various animals they even saw as gods. But this is to not understand the true living God. He doesn't need to have a god of the sea. He is the god of the sea. He doesn't have to delegate his power to a God of the stars or a God of the water, a God of the grass. He is God all by himself. And you don't go to a ballot box and vote him in or vote him out. And you don't have to sanction his directives to make them alive. And you can't veto his decrees. He is simply God. Hallelujah. The self existent God. He doesn't have a source of his power. He is the source of his power. He doesn't have somebody who has to qualify him. He is self-qualifying. 
He is God. And He is God all by Himself. Someone said to me one time, they said, there has to be a second person in the Godhead. I said, why do you say that? They said, because the Bible said God is love. And if God is love, there has to be someone to receive that love. Otherwise, it's not love if there's no recipient. I said, oh, well, you're talking about human love. God is not human love. God is love. Real love. Agape love. He's not the kind of love that you and I as humans are able to convey. He is Perfect love. You know the kind of love that casts out fear. And that kind of love does not require a recipient. It just is. God is self-existent. Whether we exist or not, God is God. Whether we want to believe in Him or not, God is God. Whether we want to worship Him or not, God is God. Whether we want to trust in Him or not, God is still God. But there are high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of that God. And we cast those imaginations down. And those imaginations have to do with the things we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen when we leave this place. We don't know what next week, next month, next year may hold. We simply don't know. And you will worry yourself sick trying to fret about those things you don't know. But what I want to preach to you is about the things you do know. And the things that you do know, if you'll dwell on them, it'll give you a peace about the things you don't know. If you'll concentrate your heart and fix your mind on the things you do know, hallelujah, then the things you don't understand will have no power over your emotions. The people of God are not to be depressed. The people of God are not to be defeated. The people of God are not to be discouraged. The people of God are not to be downcast. The Bible said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. He is the King of glory. The Bible said, He is the lifter of my head. I, I was in Israel, and the tour guide that was taking us around, it was shortly after the Arab Spring where many Arab nations had, had revolutions occurring within them. And he described that this Arab spring, they had, that the Arab nations had really lifted their heads. I wasn't used to this terminology, but it was a scriptural term. So I said, what do you mean they've lifted their heads? He said, they've lifted their heads in the sense that they have great confidence. He said, here, when we say someone has lifted their head, it means they feel emboldened, and they feel empowered, and they feel confident. Man, I wanted to shout because my Bible said that he is the lifter of my head. I don't have to worry. Hallelujah. I don't have to go about moping. I don't have to go about fearing and dreading what tomorrow may hold. Jesus is the lifter of my head. He lifts me up. He picks me up. Out of the pit of despair, he picks me up. I'm going to preach it today in Jesus' name. Don't concentrate on what you don't know. The secret things belong to God. But the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever.
and we concentrate on the revealed things. Nobody in the Bible perhaps fits the image of the person who has gone through trial and tribulation quite to the extent of the man named Job. The Bible said he was a perfect man. God said he was a perfect man. One that eschewed evil, walked uprightly. This did not mean that Job was flawless in his spirit. It meant that Job had dotted his I's, crossed his T's. He had made sure he did everything right. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You can do everything right and still fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can do everything in your power to do things right, but you still will not measure to the fullness of the stature of the purity and holiness of Jesus Christ. You must be covered by the blood of the Lamb. You must be filled with the Spirit of God. Job did not understand what was happening in his life. Nobody has experienced the kind of calamity that Job experienced. Losing all of his children, losing his houses, losing his wealth, about losing his mind. And he had no idea that while all of this was going on, the sons of God were appearing before the Lord. And Satan was among the sons of God. And when Satan was among them, the Lord asked him the question, where are you going? What are you up to? He said, I'm walking throughout the earth. Later we understand from Peter that he walks about to and fro seeking whom he may devour. Do you know the devil's watching you seeking whom he may devour? He said, I'm walking to and fro throughout the earth. And the Lord said, hast thou considered my servant Job? And the Lord was going to negotiate a removal of certain hedges from Job's life, allowing an attack from the enemy. Now, now we understand that, that Job had things deeply rooted that emerge throughout the book. Deeply rooted that had to be dealt with because he would not be saved without it. And so God allowed for an attack of the enemy. But Job doesn't know any of that is going on. He doesn't know there's an invisible world whirling about him. He doesn't know that Satan is walking among the sons of God looking for Job and targeting him and coming after him. And that a hedge is being removed, but not all hedges. And then another hedge, but not all hedges. Job doesn't know these things. But we, leave, we do learn what Job does know in Job chapter 19. Verse 25, let me read it to you. For I know, somebody say, I know. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job described his bones sticking out of his skin. He described sores that he could not even bear. He described the anguish of loss and the pain of emotional distress. But, but, but. That's all the stuff he couldn't account for. I don't know why it is. I don't know why it happened. I wish I did, but I don't know. But here's what I do know. I know my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand, hallelujah, at the latter day upon the earth. In other words, I know that when all this is said and done, my Redeemer is going to be alive and well. And furthermore, he's alive right now. 
God, I'm going to tell you some things you need to know this morning. Number one, you've got a redeemer. I said you've got a redeemer. He will redeem your life from death and destruction. Furthermore, you've got a redeemer who's alive. He said, my redeemer lives. I know that. Pain or no pain, I know my redeemer lives. Loss or no loss, I know my Redeemer lives. That's something that the enemy can't take from me. Sickness can't steal it from me. Hardship can't rob me of it. I know my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Notice what he said in verse 26. And though after, after my skin worms destroy this body... He's describing death. He's describing a decomposed body. He is describing his own body after it has died and decomposed. After the skin worms have destroyed my body. Yet in my flesh shall I see God. Ah, God have mercy. This man, the most ancient book of the Bible, even written before the book of Genesis was written, because the book of Genesis was written by revelation to the prophet Moses. Job even dates further back than the authorship of the book of Genesis. Job is the most ancient recorded book of the Bible in terms of when it was recorded. Genesis accounts for happenings before Job, of course, but it was written by revelation after the book of Job was written. And Job, in that ancient of times, says, Though the skin worms will destroy my body, in my flesh I shall see God. He is describing the resurrection of his own body. He's describing that after this body is dead, after this body goes in the grave, after the skin worms destroy it, after it is corrupted, after all of that, in my flesh. I shall see God. In other words, God's going to raise this body up and it's going to be new flesh and it's going to be a new body. And it was sown in dishonor, but it will be raised in honor. It was corruptible, but it will be incorruptible. It was mortal, but it will be immortal. I know my Redeemer lives and I know I'm going to see him and I know even though I die, I will live again. Somebody has to know these things. Hey, if there's no resurrection, then I quit. What am I doing up here if there's no resurrection? I don't have a right to preach a gospel to you that isn't true. Paul said, our preaching is in vain if there's no resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. We don't bring to you some fancy little story of how you can get better and how you can think your way to happiness and how you can somehow through yourself and in yourself find enlightenment and satisfaction. No, we preach the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we explain that he is the first fruits of the resurrection. In other words, that means you're raising up from the dead too. You're coming up out of that grave also. Hallelujah. That's why we tell you, repent of your sins. 
Hallelujah. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Have you been baptized? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? You got to go down in the water in Jesus' name. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You got to go down in the water in Jesus' name. And if you're planted with him in the likeness of his death, you'll be raised to him. Hallelujah. In the likeness of his resurrection, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and if that spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you he shall quicken your mortal body oh hallelujah we preach Jesus who lived and died was buried and rose from the dead glory to God behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Hallelujah. That's when this mortal shall put on immortality and this corruptible shall put on incorruption. When that happens, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who hath given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ the dead in Christ the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord these things I know. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. I know it. I know. I know. I know. I know. That's why I live for him. That's why I serve him. That's why I worship him. These are things we know. We're going to rise to walk in newness Everybody say newness. Newness of life. The life you and I are used to, that's not life. My God have mercy. What the Lord has prepared for us is real life. Life without sickness. Life without sadness. Life without death. Life without murder, life without hate, life without theft, life. The Bible tried to tell you what it is. And we have reduced heaven to some kind of a mystical, mythical, uh, ethereal little, you know, kind of a wispy little a figment, if you please, of our imagination. And we've got little cupids flying around with togas, shooting arrows at people, making them fall in love. And, and it's this little kind of fanciful place that doesn't really make a lot of sense no 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 it's real life hallelujah it's a the bible said it's abundant life the bible said it's everlasting life the bible said it's eternal life he's trying to tell you it's life like you've never known it it's real life what if what if what if you did know what would happen tomorrow because it's one great eternal day where there is no death and there is no sorrow 
and the saints of all the ages. My God. Hashakala Bahaya. I'm going to preach it whether the devil likes it or not. The saints of all the ages come forth from the grave. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And the same God, hallelujah, that breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. That same God will move his spirit into that valley of dry bones that has come together. And that army of God's saints will live his kingdom. My God have mercy. You know what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know when God's going to call me home. You don't know when God's going to call you home. We don't know when the trumpet's going to sound. But whether the trumpet sounds soon or whether it sounds 50 years, 100 150 years from now, who knows when the trumpet's going to sound. But God may come for you before then. Your soul may be required of you before then. You've got to be ready. I said you've got to be ready to meet the Lord. You've got to be ready, hallelujah, to give account. You've got to be hidden with Christ in God. You've got to be ready. When you die in Christ, you rest in his paradise. And when that trumpet sounds, you rise and walk as a ruler and reigner with him in his kingdom. My God, have mercy. That's where I'm going, folks. I'm living all my life for that. I don't need one more prophecy from this Bible to be fulfilled for me to be persuaded that he is and that he is one and that he is love and that he has prepared a place for me. That where he is, I may be also. Eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard. Neither hath it entered into the heart of man. Do you know why I can't preach it as effectively as I would like to preach it? It hasn't even entered into the heart of man, the things God has prepared for us. It is joy unspeakable and it is full of glory. No tongue can tell of his majesty, of his glory. Hallelujah. We do our best, but our best isn't good enough. He's more wonderful than any description we can provide. He's more glorious than any articulation we can, we can convey. No, he is God and he is God alone. And he has a plan that is greater than anything you can ever imagine. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I don't even know what kind of evil is out there, but I can already tell you, I'll fear no evil because I know he's with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely have mercy. I wish I could preach all day on surely because this is something I know for sure. Surely goodness and mercy shall not might or may shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
Here it is. Forever. I have no idea what coronavirus is going to do next. I'm not going to worry about that. This thing I know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice what, what, what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is a great verse we have read and quoted and found comfort in throughout this quarantine period and throughout this crazy time where we didn't know what was happening and what was going on and we wondered and there were a lot of speculations about this and about that. But notice what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. You could quote it with me when you get to the seventh verse. It says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it again with me. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many have ever been encouraged by that verse of scripture? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, if you've got a favorite verse, here's what I want you to do for the rest of your life. Read the next one and the next one because you're going to get more favorite verses than just that one favorite verse. Verse 8, listen to what he said. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. He said, he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So, because of that, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. His testimony is good. His testimony is right. His testimony is sure. Don't be ashamed of his testimony. And don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Paul is this great spiritual authority. And he's sitting in prison. And he says, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He said there are afflictions associated with the gospel. Peter said, don't be surprised when you go through the fiery trial. That's a part of living for God. It happens on this fallen earth. Listen to what he said. Who hath saved us. And called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus. Before the world began. My God have mercy. You know why I'm not afraid of what's happening right now? Because before, not just my life. I was born in 1979. There was a lot that happened before I was born. Not just my life. Before the world began, his own purpose and his own grace was given to whosoever will. Glory to God. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher. I'm sitting in prison right now, but I'm appointed a preacher of this truth. That's what Paul's saying. I was appointed a preacher, he said, and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Those who are not in Christ Jesus are Gentiles. In other words, they don't know God. They don't know who he is. They worship gods of this world. We are teachers of the Gentiles. 
We are preachers of the gospel. He said, he said, I'm an apostle, which means sent. Brother Tom Rockland sent me a clip of a, a teacher talking about that word apostle. And it meaning the word, it, it meaning sent. And it was, it was noted, as you might know, if you know anything about me, you know I love etymology. The study of words and how they fit together and how they're related to one another. But their speaker was describing how that the word apostle is related to the word postal or post office. And just as letters are sent, the apostles were sent. And just as the letters arrive at their destination, the apostles arrive at their destination. I thought, Lord have mercy. Brother John Wilson, that means that God's going to get his message to people. The same way the mailman is going to make sure you get your mail. And the post office is amazing. It doesn't matter what back road you live on. The post office knows where you are. You can be down in a holler. And the post office is going to get to where you are and deliver your mail to you. That's our God. He's got a message for you. He's got a word that's coming your way. And it's going to travel through whatever barrier it's got to travel through. It's going to go through the snow. Hallelujah. It's going to go through the ice. It's going to go through coronavirus. It's going to go through quarantine. Whatever it's got to go through, it's going to get where it needs to go. God knows where you live. He knows where you are. And he has sent his word. He said, I have sent my word and it will perform that whereto it is sent. My word shall not return void. Hallelujah. For the which cause... I also suffer these things. It's for that cause I suffer these things. I'm in this prison because I'm appointed a preacher, a teacher, an apostle. And that's fine with me. Because this is the cause I'm willing to live for and die for. And know that I will rise again to stand with my Redeemer that's alive right now. He said, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For, here it is, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed. I don't know how long I'm going to be in prison, but I know whom I have believed. I don't know what sentence they're going to hand me down, hand down to me, but I know whom I have believed. I don't know if I'll die the death of a martyr, but I know whom I have believed. I don't know if I'll be in another shipwreck, another snake bite, another 40 stripes save one, but I know whom I have believed. That's why he could be cast down, but not in despair. He could be persecuted, but not destroyed. Hallelujah. Because he knew things that that were greater than the things he didn't know. Those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. That's why they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Because they're trying to take down the one thing you've got. That will supersede and overwhelm any principality that comes against you. Paul said to the church at Rome. I love it. You can quote it with me if you know it. And we know. That all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. You know in these other areas Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. But to the church at Rome, Paul said, we know 
that all things work together for the good. I want to know, is there anybody here who can agree with me that we know? Hallelujah. Why do you keep a smile on your face? Because we know. Hallelujah. But there's bad stuff happening all around. Yeah, but we know. We know some things other folks don't know. And these revealed things, they belong to us. And they belong to our children forever. We know that all things work together for the good. Yeah, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of hate and there's a lot of pain and sickness and sorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we know, hallelujah, that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to keep my eyes on what I know. I know my Redeemer lives. And I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And I know that all things. You know every word of that scripture could be preached. All things. Glory to God. That means nothing's left out. Every single thing is on assignment. My God. In my life. It, it can't enter my life. Without being surrendered to the providence of God for my life. All things. Are working together. For the good. Oh I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I want you to concentrate right now on things you know. Do you know God is faithful? Give him praise if you know he's faithful. Do you know God will never leave you nor forsake you? Go ahead, stand to your feet and praise him if you know he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know that God is going to keep you? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm telling you, God is so wonderful. He's so beautiful. He's so worthy of our praise. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise right now. I need somebody right now. Just lift your, lift your voice to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. And just begin to praise the Lord right now. Come on, praise him in this house. Lift your heart in praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to concentrate on some things I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. The things I know. Hallelujah. These things I know. I know that all things work together for the good. I know my Redeemer lives. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded He is able. My God. <laughs> well, Pastor Winner, when are things going to settle down with, with this problem or that problem? I have no idea. I don't have to know those things. All I got to know is my God is faithful. He's got us in the palm of his hand. He's going to lead us and guide us, and everything is going to be all right. All right, now I have peace. I have joy. I have love. I have a sound mind. I have power to walk on in Jesus' name. We're going to take a moment right now and let our souls be restored. If you need a touch from God right where you stand, just lift up your hands unto the Lord. We're going to sing unto Him. We're going to praise His name. And we're going to let the Spirit of the Lord move in our hearts. Come on, let the Spirit of the Lord move in your hearts right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Go ahead, go ahead and lift Him up right now in the name of Jesus.
Go ahead and lift him up right now in the name of Jesus. All across this building. Come on, that's it. In the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, lift him up right now. Lift him up right now. We come against every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We come against every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. this building. Give him praise. Give him praise. Let him minister to your soul right now. Let him minister to your soul right now.
is healed. Sickness, now sickness can't stay. a need in your life, I want you just to raise your hand right now. If you have a need in your life, you need the Lord to touch you, just raise your hand. Every week, every couple of weeks, we're incrementally, we're trying to get back to a place where we can just minister as freely as possible. Thank you very much for your understanding. But this part of the service is a very important part of the service because there's been worship, there's been prayer, there's been preaching of the Word of God. And now it's time to respond to the Word of God. For this time being, I'd like for you just to raise your hand and say, I, I have a need in my life. Why don't you look around you and see if there's somebody near you that has a need. And just kind of extend your hand to them right now in the name of Jesus. We're going to sing this again. There's power in this place. The power of God is in this place. The power of God is in this place. And I'm going to tell you that God can heal you of whatever sickness. He can deliver you from whatever bondage. Oh, God, we give you praise. And I'm going to tell you that the saints of God that are in this place are people who were bound, but have been delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Just go ahead and extend your hand right now and lift your voice as we sing unto the Lord. And let the power of God move in this house in Jesus' name. <laughs> yes, Lord. Your perfect love is casting out fear. Come on, let the fear be cast out of you. You are the God of all 
love is casting out fear. Oh, yes. You are the God of all power. And it is your will. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Sickness can't stay any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. God of all power, and it is your will that my life is here. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's love him together right now. Let's love him together right now. Let's love him together. He's in this house. He's in this place. 